So how many are ready for this today? Of course, last week I, I, I kind of took a little bit of a detour because it was Father's Day and uh, I felt like that's where the, the Lord wanted me to go. But this week, I want to get back into the Holy Spirit and the Thank you. Who said that? Oh, it figures you'd get it right. So, I wanted to start today by introducing the scripture that we jumped off of. And again, this is important, and I wanted to reread it. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, everybody say, oh no, oh no. Oh no. oh, no. All right. There we go. When you follow, follow the desires of your sinful nature. It's going to be one of those mornings, isn't it? The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Anybody got issues with any of this stuff? Don't raise your hand. Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, oh my goodness, wild parties and other, what? Sins like these. What's a sin? What's the literal definition of sin? Missing the mark. God has a plan for us. And, And for you and me to hit that mark, we have got to put this stuff under the blood, the blood of Christ, all right? Let me tell you again, Paul said, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life, and this is so important, will not, will not, will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. People say, oh, you guys are intolerant. No, I'm not. God is. He will not let a sinner into heaven. There's only one way, and that's by putting those sins under the blood of Christ and living for Him. And if you're living like this, what's it say there? You will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Not Pastor Norm saying this. This is the Bible, and it says it over and over. Jesus gives you a way out, but you have to take that way. And you have to begin living for Him. It's called being born again. But the next thing, that this talks about, the next part, and this is the part where I'm jumping off of today again, the Holy Spirit produces. Produces. That means if God is in you, immediately who sets up camp inside your heart? The Holy Spirit. All right? And as soon as He's in you, what does He begin to do? He produces fruit. Good fruit, exactly. There's more than one kind of fruit. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Love, joy, say it with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things as these. There is no law. So when you, you are born again, and the Holy Spirit's in you, and you're living for Him, there is no law against 
these things. Because you're doing it God's way. And if you, even if you blow it, and the beauty of being born again is, even if you blow it, which, anybody perfect today? I promise you I wasn't. Had my moments already. It's Sunday morning. Pastor Norm had a, a moment already? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe more than one. Putting that flesh down. Putting that flesh down. It's a battle every day, isn't it, Clarence? I see you up here, man. You were jamming it out on that base today. But I know you've had moments today already, as all of us have. Nobody in this room is perfect. But the beauty is it's under the blood. The last part of this is verse 25. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And this is what's so important today. This is what this whole message is about. This whole series is that we do it God's way. You choose every morning when you get up how you're going to live your life. Am I going to be a sinner today or am I going to be a glorified saint? It's always up to you. The devil cannot make you do anything. And if he's in your life, it's because you let him in. That's good preaching. As a refresher, I just wanted to note again, the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are different. And we'll get into the gifts of the Spirit a little bit later. Fruit is what? Singular. And the gifts of the Spirit are? Plural. And I, I had a, a couple of uh, Scripture references if you wanted to go there. Not everyone gets all the gifts of the Spirit. You know, and what are some of them? Prophecy. Administrative gifts, wisdom, uh, gifts of tongues, and that's not the gift of tongues, so we'll get into that later. Miracles, I mean, there are so many things that God wants to put in us, but they are for specific moments when we need it the most, when the church needs it the most. Because when you get a gift, it's not just for you. It's for the church, to build the church, to edify it, to grow us up. That's what the gifts are for. We heard this morning tongues, and then we had interpretation. And how many agree that, man, that's an amazing, amazing prophecy today? When I heard that, I went, yes! How many have family members that you can't wait to see in here if they're not already? Whole rows are going to be filled up. Because God has heard your prayers as you have interceded, as you have fasted for your families. God has heard your prayers. Keep it up. Keep Naming them to him, he hears you. Hallelujah. Again, the gifts of the Spirit are plural. They come as needed. But the fruit of the Spirit is singular, and that means everybody gets all of them. Oops. That way. Everybody should have all of these. You don't pick which one you want. Well, I kind of like joy. You know, patience. No, skip over that. <laughs> Kindness, and yeah. goodness, ah. faithless, eh. gentleness, self-control. Uh -uh. You don't get to pick. 
You should, as a Christ follower, filled with the Holy Spirit, you should have, say it, all of them. Every single one. So the question today is, once I get there, am I exhibiting all of the fruit of the Spirit? And I said this two weeks ago, I'll say it again today. As we go through this today, just do a mental inventory in your own life and, and ask yourself, all right, where am I? If you missed the first three, love, joy, peace, if you missed those, go back on our sermon archives. You can watch it or listen to it from two weeks ago. Because they're impo- they're, all of these are important. There's a reason God started with love. That has to be primary. You start with love. Without it, don't even go any further. But the rest of these, and today we're going to actually start with uh, <clears throat> patience. I want you to do a mental inventory, though, while we go through these. And at the end, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. Okay? Everybody with me still? Why don't you stand with me one more time? I don't believe anything gets accomplished without prayer. But how many know God has a plan and a purpose for your life? Every single man and woman, boy and girl in this room, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Maybe you haven't figured out what that is yet. When I was 23 years old, I found that there was a God. I didn't know that before. I knew of him, but I didn't know him. Now I know him. Now I know he has a plan for my life. He's been working on me all these years. Because I'm an old guy now. As you can see by the crown on my head. That used to be brown. God wants to do the phenomenal. And you young people... The coolest part of your life is still ahead of you. I'm starting to hit the the other end now. It's weird. But you know what that means? Closer I get to the end, the closer I get to heaven. When I get to go home. This isn't our home, is it? We're just passing through. So bow your heads. Father, again, we just thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all our sins. And when you look at us, Lord, once we're born again, you don't see Norm the sinner, you see Norm the saint. And that's true with every person in this room that's called on or will call on the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray today for miracles in this service. I pray that people would be set free from their sins. Lord, if they're not exhibiting these fruits, show us why. Show us how we can get to that place where we are. And we dedicate this short time into your hands. Have your way with each one of us. And even if this man doesn't say it, I pray you would speak some kind of truth into every person here that's listening. Whether it's personally or online, Lord, bless this message, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody again said, Amen. All right, now you can sit down. When I was a new believer... I prayed for this. Now that I'm more mature, I don't have to pray for this anymore. I don't. I I literally don't pray for this. 
as a mature believer because I know God answers your prayer. He does. If, if I have an Achilles heel, this is it. <laughs> I'm not a patient guy. And, and I'm sorry if, if you've met the other end of that. There's a reason that you're called a patient when you go to the doctor's office or the hospital. How many have ever just walked in, signed your name there, and they said, come on right in, and the doctor's right there waiting for you, and get you out quick, anybody? And this isn't an indictment against, thank God for the health community, okay? So I don't want letters from the nurses and doctors. I don't mean it like that. But I am saying, though, I have never been there. Yet, the only person that's in a hurry when you go to the doctor's office is you. Nobody else is. Like I said, there's a reason that they call you a patient. Patience, as I said, is my Achilles heel. Out of all the fruits, I think this is the one I struggle with the most. Everything from... This just happened. Being on a two-lane road, a two-lane highway, going into town, my mom and my wife in the car. And I look ahead, speed limit's 55, I look ahead, and here's one of those gigantic tractors with the tires that are this tall. I'm, I'm thinking, I can get under that. But I'm in my Silverado, and I'm thinking, no, if I was in that little Ford ahead of me, I might be able to do it, and I probably would have. 25 miles an hour, and he never let us by. And, and this is through hills. So there was no, there's a double, ooh, I hate that double yellow line. That double yellow line. And I'm just going, really? I was hungry. We were going to eat. Imagine that. I was hungry. I know I'm the only one, right, that ever feels this way. Yeah, we get behind Adam and we're in trouble. Anybody ever ask somebody to do something for you? And, or you're, you're trying to mentor someone to do something, teach them, you know, but they don't do it your way? And you, you're just like... You know what I'm saying? You're biting your tongue. You know what you want to say, but you know you're going to hurt them if you say it. And you just have to shut up. I'm not that good at that. I don't like to shut up. Nor does Pastor Roger, as we found out today. He can't help it. I know it. Patience. Patience is literally a virtue. Why do we need patience? Before I answer that, let me just ask this question. How many are thankful God was patient with you? What if he'd rushed it along? You know, if Norm doesn't get in through the gates here pretty soon, we're calling it. That's it. It's over. How many pray, come, Lord Jesus, come, often? Are we being patient? I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus here, but think about that. 
How many billions of people need Jesus today? But we're praying, come Lord Jesus, come, hurry it up. Why? Because we want to be in heaven. But there's this thing called patience. I love how God looks at this. Many have said over the years that the Lord's not coming back. And in 2 Peter, he kind of talks about this, starting with verse 8, chapter 3. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. So what that says to me is, time does not hold God. He's bigger than time. Verse 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. Nope. He is what? Being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. So when we think, well, where's God at? He said he was coming back. He's being patient, waiting for the right moment so that all who really want him will come to him and get saved. The King James renders the patience as long-suffering, and I really never understood that all that well. I'm not a big King James guy because I stumble over some of the, the way that it, the speech is projected there, but when I finally saw this verse in, in its correct perspective, it began to make sense to me. The Lord is long-suffering toward us, toward our sin. That means if we're living in sin, it breaks his heart. That's the suffering part, right? You with me? He waits for us to come to him to repent, and it's worth the wait to him when we finally say yes to Jesus. How many have said yes to Jesus already? Hallelujah. And if you haven't, we'll give you that opportunity when I wrap it up today. As Christ followers, here's the thing. As Christ followers, we are to be patient with our coworkers, with our loved ones. You may have family you live with that they're not saved yet. Do you think you hammering them is going to help any? You need to be like God was with you. You need to be patient. It's not our job to hurry up this process. Our job is to pray for that person and then to trust that the Holy Spirit will get a hold of them. That's our job. And I, I think back, and my wife is here, I was hoping she'd be in the other room so I could just talk about her for a minute without her hearing this, but <clears throat> let me just say ahead of time, I love you. So, so I still remember back 1981, Meeting Jesus on the motor plant floor of General Motors, Oldsmobile at the time. I still remember what he did to me, how he changed me from the inside out. I, I walked out of there different than I went in that day because I prayed that prayer of confession. Lord, forgive me of my many sins and make me a new person. And something happened. There wasn't lightning or thunder, but something happened. I walked out of there different than when I went in that day. 
I was born again. I didn't realize what that meant, but I did it, and I meant it. And I started looking at my Bible. My friend helped me, Jaime. And as we went through the Bible together, he and his wife and myself, I just kept thinking, my wife isn't saved. She's going to hell. i got to fix this because she's my wife. I wanted her to know Jesus. And she didn't know Jesus yet because I was the first one in her family. So what I do? I went home and I started preaching at her. Not nice like Billy Graham, but you need to get saved. You don't get saved. You know, you know, if you go out there and you die right now, you're going to hell. Do you know what that means? You're going to hell. She called her friend and said, Norm's flipped his wig. He won't leave me alone. I literally remember one day she gets in our old 88 Oldsmobile and I'm preaching at her, and she rolled the window up on me and pulled out. <laughs> I didn't get it. And my friend, Jaime, his wife, Olga, she says, Norm, stop it. I'm like, what? She says, you got to be patient. This isn't your work. This is up to God. You need to let him do the work first. So I said, so what do I do? She said, pray for her. I said, well, I can do that. She tells me, she goes, okay, go home, open your Bible up to John 3.16, set it on the coffee table, and then shut up. I wasn't very good at shutting up. But in this case, I listened the cool part, the testimony. Three weeks later, we were invited to a David Wilkerson crusade. And I invited my wife. I said, hey, you want to go with us? Yeah, I think so. I said, okay. And by this point, God had been working on her. Not from my badger in her. But the Holy Spirit was doing the work. And as soon as he gave that altar call that day, she said yes to Jesus. And my family has literally been changed ever since. My job, be patient and pray. It's up to the Holy Spirit with the rest of it. Okay? You good with patient? Why we need it? God was patient with you. We need to be patient with people. Number two, the second part. Actually, this is the fifth one if we were going that way, is? How many are kind? All right. Some of you are raising your hand. Why kindness? What does this fruit have that will help the kingdom of God? And listen, every single one of these helps the kingdom of God. It's not about us. Hello? It's not about you. What you're going to get out of this, what you're getting is eternal life, what you're getting someday, you're going to walk the streets of gold. You're going to be able to walk in and say, Jesus, live. Not on live stream, live. That's coming. But right now, we are here as fellow workers, servants of the Most High God, and everything we do should help build 
the kingdom of God. Not tear it down, not devise it. There's too much of that. Gossip. You, that was in the list up there you saw, right? Division is one of the biggest tools or tactics of the devil. He tries to undermine what the church is doing by setting people loose amidst the people who are Did you hear about Oh, they're not following Jesus. Do you think that's the Holy Spirit? No way. And those people will not enter the kingdom of God. Hello? This is wicked stuff. This is witchcraft at its best. So all of us needs to be, in fact, I wasn't going to read it. Jesus said this, don't judge others or you'll be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you'll be judged. So if you're, if you're laying claim to somebody else not living for Jesus, brother, sister, you better be watching yourself. He goes on to say, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? And, and I actually built something a while back. I didn't bring it out today. Where I had a log stuck on my face. And it got the point across. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Jesus condemns this kind of living. And in the church, we need to treat each other with kindness. Not these vicious lies that people are spewing. So if that's you, stop it. Because it's going to prevent you from going to the kingdom. God's kindness is intended to turn us toward him. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Can you believe that? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that this kindness is intended to what? Turn you from your sin. God's kindness is intended to turn us from our sins. What do you think we're supposed to do with our kindness? Turn people from their sins. Hello? Am I still preaching to myself? A couple weeks ago, I talked about those who were persecuted in the church. I mentioned that book, Tortured for Christ. And in that, he actually said, they prayed for their persecutors. The people that were pulling their fingernails out. They prayed for them. And they tried to reach them with kindness. How crazy is that? Could you do that? And I said this a couple weeks ago. I don't know if I could. That is love at its maximum capacity. Back to kindness. God's kindness is intended to turn us toward him. Ours should turn others to him. I have this illustration, again, going back to Oldsmobile, General Motors. And I worked with some pretty rough guys, <laughs> to say the least. When I hired into this department, engineering department, in our department, the only other Christian was my boss, which was a good thing because he was a general foreman. 
And so everybody had an answer to him. And, and I felt pretty good about that, being the only other Christian I had an in with him. But that's not the point here. As I worked with these men, how many know sometimes that God requires things from us that he doesn't require from the unsaved? Being kind to an unchurched person can be thorny, to say the least. Anybody been there? You've had to work with people who, man, they're rough, all right? And whatever, whatever got them to that place, maybe it was how they were raised. Most likely it's just because they don't know Jesus yet. They haven't given him a chance yet. But these guys were all like that. So everybody I worked with, I got to be a witness. We had these things called breaks. So everybody got a break every day. You got two 15-minute breaks, and then in the afternoon you got a half an hour during an eight-hour shift. So everybody took turns doing the breaks, and, and it was my turn to do the breaks. So what would I do? I'd show up a little bit early, let them go on their break, and then when they got back, and they almost all did this, when they got back a little late, I tried to keep my mouth shut. Now, I'm just saying, I was human. I tried to keep my mouth shut. Because sometimes, maybe I wasn't having that great a day. Really? Five minutes late? What is up with you? But most of the time, I didn't say anything. And then they would come, and it would be their turn to relieve me a day or two later. And what would they do? They didn't show up early. They showed up a couple minutes after. Break time. Yeah, duh. And I'd go on my break. And if I didn't get back right on time, they'd chew me out. I'm like, and the Holy Spirit would be saying, hold your tongue, Norm. Shut up. I hear that a lot in my head. Just shut up, all right? Be kind to these people. And it, it was years. I worked there seven years. It was years before I saw any fruit. One day, finally, this brother, and I'm telling you, he was like the king of the crop there. He was tough. He was rough. He had a rough upbringing. He got back from vacation. I looked at him. Some of you have heard this story before. Got back from the Black Hills of North Dakota. I think that's where they are. And he had this really cool, and I meant to bring it with me and I forgot, but he had this really cool belt buckle that he'd gotten as a souvenir. And I looked at him and I said, Ron, that is a, an amazing looking belt buckle. Yeah, I got this out west. You like it? Yeah, I do. He grabs that thing and rips it off. And I, I literally thought he was, my, my eyes got big. I'm like, uh-oh, here it comes. I thought he was going to whip me with it. And he pops that little button on the end of the belt off, grabs that thing, and he goes, here, I want you to have it. I want to tell you something. He didn't know this, but I was crying from that. I finally saw fruit. The kindness that I've been trying to pour into these guys for years. I saw fruit. I knew he had a heart. 
That's just the first time I'd seen it. And I saw it a few more times after that. You know, you never know how God's going to use you. And I'd like to say that I know that man became a Christian. I don't. I only hope he has. But you don't know how God's going to use you. And as a believer, each one of us is required. Hello? Each one of us is required to be kind to our neighbors and our family and our friends. Are you still with me? Paul goes on to say in Colossians 3, 12, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy. What's that one? Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. See, some of these he uses in other scriptures. Just to point out that all of us should be living like this. Then he says, remember the Lord forgave you, so what? You must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Let that peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Always be thankful. All of these are a part of being, exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. Kindness is who we are. Can you say that with me? Kindness is who we are. And I want you to note verse 15 again. Kindness leads to peace. So when you're kind to people, at least in your own life, you're going to have peace. All right? Hallelujah. The last one we're going to look at today is goodness. In the original language, the Greek, it's agatha sune. Agatha sune. Say that with me. Agatha sune. All right, if you don't like that, just say goodness. Okay, there. that's easier. Goodness is a virtue or a benefit even. It's in the Greek, uprightness of heart and life. Goodness is the behavior of one showing high moral standards. How many agree that Christians should be different than the world, than the unchurched? And we should exhibit a high degree of moral standard. When you're good, you're good. This might not make sense to you yet. It might sound like kind of a funny little thing. When you are good, you're good. What do I mean by that? There's a big difference between being good at something and being good. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to share a little bit more of my previous life before B.C., before Christ. When I was 19, 20 years old, I weighed a whopping 125, 130 on a good day. I know I've increased a little bit since then. Be quiet. This is where you... All right. However, even though I was tiny, I could outdrink the best of them. And I would. We would bet. I would sit down with guys who were 200 plus. And they'd be like, Oberlin, I'll kill you. Meaning, he'd outdrink me. I'm like, okay, come on, bring it on. And we would go at it. And at the end of the night, he was laying under the table. And I was sitting there going, 
Still, still sitting, though. That's the point. I'm not proud of those days. I only bring that up. I only bring that up. I was good at drinking, if there is such a thing. But I wasn't good. You're hearing the difference. You can be good at something. In fact, you said it earlier, Pastor Roger. You said there's two different kinds of fruit. There's good fruit, fruits of the Spirit, and there's also bad fruit. Well, that would have been the bad fruit in my life. It didn't, it didn't win me any awards. I might have won a couple bets. But trust me when I say this, it, it took its toll on me. How many have heard of China's newest social experiment? Oh, my. I, my, my daughter-in-law told me this the other day. <laughs> when I heard it, I said, I'm putting this in. This is so good when it comes to being good. China's newest social experiment uses surveillance cameras and facial recognition software. Does that sound like Big Brother? Orwellian, yeah, the prophecies from him. By 2020, the government of China is going to use a system that will reward people for doing good. And, and it will penalize them if they do bad. What? Are you kidding? So if those cameras see you throw trash down, you'll get a bill in the mail. And if you're one of those behind them that picks it up, you'll get some kind of credit. How cool is that? Do you think this is going to work? My feeling is no. Why? Because good can only be from the inside. It isn't something you make people do. Here's the thing. Only God can make us good. And this is key to everything we're talking about. Only God can make us good. Goodness comes from being changed by the Holy Spirit and then living for Him. Here's my text, James 1, 17 and 18. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in heavens. Say that first verse with me again. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or, excuse me, he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Just like the shadows move, God doesn't. He's always, if this is God saying this, he's never going to change it. He chose to give us birth by giving us his true word, and we, out of all the creation, became his prized possession. And I love this part because that actually means in the Greek that we became a kind of first fruit. Fruits of the Spirit. First fruit. We are the only ones out of all the creatures on this earth that have the privilege of becoming born again. Because God loves us that much. He created us, the human being, in likeness of Him. It is good. It is said that good people bring out the good in others, and that's true. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. If you have kids and they're hanging out with the wrong kinds of people, it's your job, parents, even grandparents, to help them see that they're making bad choices. 
Because eventually, even if they didn't do it, and I could go on and tell you some stories about where I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and I ended up paying. You don't want that. God's goodness can still be found today, and the Holy Spirit is moving about the earth, looking for those whom he can bless. That's where Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. I'm going to start wrapping up. This is the last verse. And we know that all that happens to us is working for our good. God is working for your good. Every person in this room. And we know that all that happens to us is working for our good. Stand with me. If we love God and are fitting into his plans. You see that last part? God works on your behalf. He will make sure that good comes your way if, what? You love God and are fitting him into your plans. But too many of us exclude him from our plans. Too many of us forget that He's the guy that created all of this. And we take him for granted, so many of us. Let this be the day that you make him number one in your life. That doesn't mean that he's just number one. It means that he becomes who you are. You become like him. He will, become, he will come into you to make you like him. That's why we should have these fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. We'll get into the other ones the next time I speak. How are you doing with these? How are you doing with patience and kindness and goodness? If, if people were interviewed who know you, what would they say about you today? If the God camera were following you this last month, what would you see? I asked you to do a mental checklist. With your heads bowed, just for a moment. Would you say, Pastor, I probably haven't done so well with one, two, or all of these. If that's you, just lift your hand up. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for being honest. Lots of hands going. I want to pray with you as we close. I just wanted to ask, between these two lists, the, the list of sins and the list of the fruits of the Spirit, which list do you represent? Because you represent one or the other. And if, if it's the sin list, as Paul said, these will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You may think, well, big deal. Oh, it's going to be a big deal. Here's the thing. When we die, they say that you just go into darkness and it's over. But that's not what the Bible tells us. That's not what Jesus said. There's a real place called Gehenna. There's a real place called hell. And it is a fiery place of torment. People are not going to want to stay there. They're going to want to be released from there. In fact, they, were inter they interviewed one guy 
And he said, just bring me a little drop of water. Please just, just quench my tongue just a little bit. And the Lord said, it's too late. You've made your decision. You're going to be there for the rest of eternity. Well, here's the good news. If you're still breathing and you're hearing me right now, you have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. You have an opportunity to become born again, as I'm calling it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. That's his promise to you. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ yet as your Lord and Savior, and I, I just tell you from my own example, it's the best decision I ever made. I was an alcoholic. I was a, a cussing, smoking, and by smoking, I smoked four packs of Marlboros a day. When I finally quit, was delivered from it. When God finally got my number and changed me from that wretched cuss that I was, everything became new. God's goodness became mine. I actually started to be kind to people, which was really unusual back then. The same can be true for you. And this isn't some pansy thing. Let me tell you something. It takes more courage, it takes more strength to follow Jesus than it does to live for this world. But it's a better way. In your name, if you say yes to him, will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So when you stop breathing here, you'll go to be with him forever. Heads bowed again. If you're here today and you need Jesus, I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but I just need to know you're here today. If that's you, would you just lift your hand so I can see it? I want to pray with you. Anybody? Anybody? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm hoping that means everybody in this room is born again. Because I hate to see somebody go out of here that isn't. All right, let's pray. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father, help me to live like Jesus. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to help me with patience with kindness, with goodness. Help me to be that person that exhibits all of these as well as love, joy, peace. I want to look like you. I want to help people to know you. I don't want to turn them away from you. So I give you permission to take me, use me, shape me, mold me, into the man or woman of God that you've called me to be. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I believe when you pray like that and you mean business, something's going to happen in your life. So now be looking for that. And look for opportunities, because here's what's going to happen. You pray for patience, guess what? You're going to get that opportunity. It might not be following a giant tractor down a... But it'll be something like that. You'll get an opportunity to be kind to somebody and to use that goodness. And that's really going to determine and, and show you even who you're following and which list you represent. Are you still with me?
you still love Jesus? Amen. You still love me, I hope. Amen. Father, again, thank you for this message. I just pray that you would continue to shape us and mold us into the men and women of God you've called us to be. Lord, we are Christ's ambassadors. And I pray that everywhere we go, especially this summer, Lord, as I believe the time is soon and you're coming back for us, Lord, I pray that we would represent heaven, the kingdom of God like never before. And that those who know us, Lord, they would be drawn to Christ, not repelled away from him. God, thank you for loving us this much that you let us partner with you. Now keep us safe in our coming and in our going, especially as we are out there playing on the lakes and doing all the fun things we do as families. Lord, bless us. Keep us. Fill us with just a a newness of your spirit. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Oh, camp meeting. Oh, starts tonight, 7 o'clock. Then the rest of the week at 6, Monday through Friday, I think. Tonight is Jeff Halavin, our superintendent. Then tomorrow and the rest of the week, it is uh, our retired superintendent, Bill Leach, and his son. So that's out at Lost Valley Bible Camp, eight miles that way on 32. Second big curve. God bless. Thank you.